Hey, welcome to the Straight Sports Podcast, episode number 11. I'm your host, Tushar. Um, so usually today I'm here with my co-host, Joshua, but unfortunately he is not feeling well. He is a little bit sick. Uh, he has a sore throat. So uh, for today, it's just going to be me. So he, he will return back soon. As you know, what we do in this podcast, we give our opinions on our favorite sports, which are basketball, soccer, and wrestling. Um, but today I will not be discussing uh, anything about soccer. We're just going to be focusing on basketball and wrestling. So let's go on to the first topic, uh, WWE and AEW. SmackDown, December 24, 2021. My favorite moments was basically when, you know, Paul Heyman is a gem on the mic. I mean, he comes out and basically has an interview with Kalen Braxton and, and he goes out there and tells that he paid the price for telling the truth about Roman and he acknowledges that his career is over. I mean, it's just something really cool. Like the fact that Paul Heyman could just go out there and just say things like that makes the storyline between Roman and Brock so great. It teases like maybe it's Paul Heyman on Brock's side he's going to help Brock or is it that maybe he's teasing a WrestleMania 38 match and this is just all Roman's plan and Paul Heyman and they're together on this plan and and this is just to trick Brock. So it's so much craziness. Um I really enjoyed that segment. Um another thing that I really enjoyed is the fact that Sami Zayn won a 12-day of Christmas 12-man gauntlet match to become the number one contender for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. And it was a crazy, it was a lot of matches. First, Angel Garza defeats Mansoor. Angel Garza defeats Eric. Shanky defeats Angel Garza. And the list goes on. And eventually, Sami Zayn defeats Ricochet. And it was a really great match. We got, we got to see all this talent compete on SmackDown. And some of these names we sometimes don't see compete like you know ricochet getting a moment to shine and we get to see angel garza and ivar and and, and you know seamus you know he's a veteran so he knows what to do but it was a great match overall and i just um enjoyed watching it, it was just fun and i was happy that Sami Zayn won the match i think it sets up a really good match between both of them i think Sami Zayn is one of the most underrated wwe superstar he is a a gem on the mic one of the best in the business and i'm happy to see him get this opportunity so super excited about that so AEW Rampage, December 25, 2021. Uh, so this episode was on a Saturday. It was on Christmas Day. And uh, my favorite moment was when Hook defeats Bear Bronson. I think that was a good moment because Hook is a really talented superstar since he's came. A lot of fans like him. I think he's an incredible wrestler. And I think AEW picked up a gem. He's going to be really good. And it was a fun match to watch. The match that, you know, I wasn't, I think the match was good itself. But the thing that I was a little disappointed when Cody Rose defeats Sammy and becomes a new TNT champion. You know, it was a little weird because I feel like Sammy's a young talent and Cody's already established. And it seems like everybody's behind Sammy. And then for the AEW to let Sammy lose the title and give it to Cody, you know, that's a little interesting. I didn't think that was the right move. But at the same time, maybe if they want to make like now Cody has a title, people are mad, people are going to boo him. So that makes it better for Sammy, who's over. And maybe does the company want to turn Cody heel? Doesn't seem like they're willing to do that. But if they do, I mean, it would be a... This is what the the fans wanted. Because what I think about Cody Rhodes, I mean, it's a, it's a very far comparison. I think about him to the level of Roman Reigns. Like, Roman Reigns was a babyface. He was a great wrestler, but not a lot of people bought it. You know, when he kept being pushed and pushed, the fans didn't believe in him. Once he turned heel, it changed everything. He's one of the biggest stars in the industry. I think this Cody Rhodes can do the same thing. I think the company should consider changing him heel. But at the end of the day, it was a good match. Uh, it was a good Christmas Day match. I appreciate AEW putting up some great matches on on christmas day december 27 2021 raw my favorite moment was when the street profits versus the mysterio family i thought it was a great match you know we got to see two 
incredible tag teams and the Street Profits did win. The moments I didn't really like was that when Reggie and Dana defeat R-Truth and Tamina, um, they had the mixed tag team match. I mean, I think the match was okay. It was a little short, but I think Tamina is one of the best wrestlers in this company. She's uh, put a lot of effort and hard work. She gave a lot to this business, and I feel like she's getting disrespected when, you know, she's going after a 24-7 championship. I think um, it's, not, it's not right. She's a talented superstar, and I think she deserves better. Um, and also the, the 24-7 championship. I don't know. I'm just not a – like, I've not been a fan of it since it come. It feels like a goofy championship, like a title that really holds no value. It's kind of just like a funny segment. No hatred on any of these superstars. They're great, incredible talent. I just think WWE should consider removing this title. Other thing I didn't really like was the Miz and Maurice vows. I thought, you know, WWE is a sports entertainment product. You know, we we want to see, you know, wrestling. We don't want to see things like this. But like I said, I mean, it was still a good segment. We got to see Edge come out and he threw this crazy like liquid on them. It was kind of cool segment, but um, it was the main event. I th- maybe if you wanted to, I think this is something that should be placed in the beginning of the show. But you know, hey, Miz and Maurice are incredible. Like Miz is one of the best wrestlers and like he's a really talented wrestler, hardworking wrestler. Maurice, I, I like their duo when they're together. It's really cool. You know, they're husband and wife in real life. So it's a really cool thing. And they have their own show and everything. They're really good couples. But, uh, you know, also uh, WWE has been missing some talent. That episode of on Raw, December 27, 2021, uh, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, Big E all missed Raw. And I think it's due to the COVID outbreak. And it's understandable. So I think they did the best that they could with the, you know, missing a lot of talent but overall i think the show was so so i think it could have been better but i would give it a six out of ten uh december 29 2021 AEW dynamite my favorite moment was orange cassidy and the best friends versus adam cole bobby fish and kyle o'reilly i mean we already seen kyle o'reilly debut you know in AEW just previously and it was really fun to see him and now you know then back with adam cole and bobby fish and then adam cole bobby fish and kyle o'reilly did win the match um but it's a little interesting now because they won with the interference, but there's like a tease. Maybe him in the Young Bucks time over now with Kyle O'Reilly coming there, maybe teasing. Maybe when Kenny comes back, this three-on-three match between these two trio teams. Maybe you have Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, the formerly called the Undisputed Era in WWE, um, you know, versus, you know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I mean, this will be an exceptional match. It's just great storytelling, you know, slow, long-term storytelling, which AEW is really good at, by the way. So I'm just really excited to see that match. All right, so moving on to topic two. Woj tweeted on Christmas Day, um, Los Angeles Clippers all-star Paul George has a torn ligament in his right elbow and will be reevaluated in three to four weeks, sources tell ESPN. On our NBA countdown, Woj did say that the team would reevaluate him in three to four weeks. They see if rest can get him on the pathway to recovery, but he's going to be out certainly a significant period of time. And there's no real sense of when or if he'll be back this year. So the question is, my reactions to this, how concerning this should be on a scale of one to 10 and will the Clippers still make the playoffs? So, you know, uh, as a Clippers fan, you know, Josh definitely would have had some, some really key things to say, but I'm concerned, you know, very concerned. I would say 10 because Paul George is playing at an MVP level this season, you know, and for him to be out and potentially he might even miss the whole season, not even guarantee he's going to come back. It's bad news for the Clippers. The West is very tough. We don't know whether Kawhi is going to come back or not. And without Paul George, their chances of making the playoffs become even harder. I mean, their schedule is not going to get any easier. It's getting tougher. You know, they had one of the more easier schedules in the beginning, and now they have one of the more tougher schedules. They have to play tough, tough teams. Um, and we, I saw them, you know, they played the Nets, and, and it was just James Harden, and they blew them out the water. They beat Boston some time ago, and uh, it was a really impressive win. Um, but um, 
definitely I'm very concerned. You know, as a as Clippers fan, I want to be biased and say that they would make the playoffs, but I'm going to be honest, I don't I think they'll be in the play in uh because Paul George is out, but and uh they might uh if Paul George doesn't come back at all this season, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. But if he does come back and they're in the play in, I still do believe they'll make the playoffs. But if Paul George is out for the whole season, I think even if Kawhi has any chance of coming back, uh, the, the Clippers should shut him down because at the end of the day, for the Clippers to win a championship, they need both Kawhi and PG at full strength because we got the Warriors, we got the Suns, you got teams like Utah, and they're, they're legit formidable. And if the Clippers want to beat those teams, they need to be at full strength. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm definitely very sad about this news. Hopefully he recovers you know, as soon as he can. He's was so incredible this season. And he, he definitely deserves to be in the All-Stars team as well. But, you know, if he does make it, I'm assuming somebody would replace him if he's not available to play. But I definitely, you know, would um, vote for him to be an All-Star. He's having a, a really good season. But, yeah, so it's concerning for sure. Um, definitely very sad about the news. Moving on to topic three. Coming from WWE, actually, Tony Storm was released from the company, but she did ask for her release and the WWE did granted her request. So on the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Melter, the only thing he heard is that she left because she was burnt out. Tony Storm did compete on Tuesday at a WWE live event in Washington, D.C. Um, she faced Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match. This goes down as her final match with the company, despite that she was in a feud with Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And she did lose on the Christmas Eve show on December 24, 2021. Uh, you know, Storm initially debuted in WWE during her inaugural May Young Classic back in 2017. She then won the second tournament in 2018 before competing on NXT UK. During that time, she had a run for the NXT uh, UK Women's Championship. And then in fall of 2020, she moves to the US. She debuted. Her main debut came in July 23. Then eventually she had a feud with Charlotte Flair and uh, she lost the match. So, you know, when I heard this news, obviously, it's very sad. Tony Storm is one of the most exceptional wrestlers, and she definitely should, like, I could see her as being a face of a company. And when the news came, you know, my opinion on the burnout, I think, you know, that could be potentially true because at the end of the day, wrestling is a hard job. You know, working in the WWE, they travel every week. They're training. They're going to different places. They're away from their family. It's a very difficult job, and we respect all the wrestlers and the entertainers out there who, you know, sacrifice so much for the fans and we really do appreciate it. But on the other hand, I, I do feel WWE did also, again, ruin another young talent. I think Tony Storm, you know, her feud with Charlotte Flair wasn't even took into a level where she could have been seen as a, a top face. Getting a pie thrown in her face, like WWE has protected stars. And, and some of them are, you know, like Charlotte Flair, you know, Becky Lynch. I mean, they're phenomenal wrestlers, but they're definitely protected stars. Tony Storm, I think WWE still is struggling developing young talent. They need to work on developing this young talent but i don't think that they're doing a good job right now um but tony storm is definitely it's, it's a big blow for the company but in this case she did axe off for release instead of you know ww who's been just releasing talent after talent for tony storm i think as well my opinion is that i feel like i can't speak for her but i personally feel like maybe she feels that the grass is greener somewhere else you know meaning like you know she knows that AEW is the best when it comes to young talent, developing young talent, giving them a chance to shine. You saw Ruby Soho, she didn't get too much time and she didn't get the respect she deserved in WWE. She comes to AEW, she's in a title picture with Britt Baker. Now she's competing for the TBS championship. Like she's a big time uh, star. Like she's she's legit. She's a great wrestler. She has great mic skills. She's really good at just giving that the young talent a chance. And that's what AEW does. 
And I feel like for Tony Storm, going to AEW would be the perfect situation. She would get a chance to shine. And I feel like Dr. Britt Baker did tease, you know, like she put a photo of Tony Storm. Who knows? Maybe she's on her way to AEW. So who knows what the reasoning, the reason, the reports that came out that she was burned on, that's understandable. So either she wants to take some time off and maybe she'll return to the company. Or I think, in my opinion, she won't. And I think she'll be going to AEW. I think WWE did ruin. Maybe those bad bookings was part of her reason leaving. but. Who knows what the actual reason is? Only Tony Storm would be able to tell us, you know, when she's ready. Best of luck to Tony Storm. She's an incredible wrestler. I see AEW or Impact, you know, whoever has a chance to get her, even any other wrestling promotion, they'll they'll get a good one. And uh, to WWE, I mean, I think, you know, they really do need to work on developing young talent because they're struggling with this. Um, they bury young talent, you know, and it's just sad. But, um, you know, best of luck to Tony Storm. So moving on to topic number four gonna t- i'm gonna talk you know about the nba I'll talk about two quotes that russell westbrook had um this was a transcript via espn so one eastern conference executive told the espn russ reminds me of Allen iverson wanting to win but wanting to win on his terms if he can take a step back and win in la it would validate everything else he has done in the league and then what westbrook said when informed of the iverson parallel he said i disagree for multiple reasons westbrook told the espn no, I believe that I am a one-of-a-kind player, and I respect Allen and respect everything he's done for the game, but I'm not comparable to Allen Iverson by any means. Number two is that I've been probably, I feel myself, always trying to fit in to do best for the betterment of the team, and I've always done that in my career, and I will continue to do that. And whatever happens, happen. If if we win a championship, cool. If we don't, I'm okay with that, and life goes on. So when I heard this quote, I mean... I was a little upset. I mean, at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook, right now his time, he's in L.A. and the Lakers, they're not doing real good. And when I heard this, I was like, this is not a Lakers kind of player. I know he's in L.A. and he's happy and I'm happy for him, but the Lakers are all about championships. They want to win championships. If you're in the purple and gold, your reasoning is to win a championship. And it might be true that for him, you don't win a championship, that, you know, it's cool with him. But at the end of the day, he's playing with LeBron James. He's playing with a historical franchise who won 17 championships. This is all about championships. Look, I don't think you should. he should publicly go out there and say that because at the end of the day, why were you brought to L.A.? Why were you, when you play with LeBron James, is all about championships. Whenever you play with a guy like LeBron James, that's his main focus. He can say that, you know, this is, you know, without, you know, if I win a championship, cool, if I don't, that's fine too. But, like... You shouldn't say that publicly. I think that's a bad look. And I feel like he's not a Lakers kind of player because no Lakers player would ever say that. You wear the purple and gold, it's to compete for a championship. And I, I definitely he still has the motivation to compete for that championship, but he definitely should not say that because what it, it makes him seem like, you know, to him, it doesn't phase him. And, you know, there's some greats out there, you know, like Russ, you know, for him, it doesn't phase him. But there's greats out there like LeBron. That 2011 run, he went to Miami when he lost to Dallas. He still thinks about that. Curry, when he was up 3-1, they choked and they lost to the Cavs in seven in the 2016 NBA Finals. Greats think about that. That's what makes them great because they continue to want to have excellence. But Russell Westbrook's had a different mindset. For him to go out there and say it was utterly blasphemous, I just don't think it's the right thing for him to say. I'm definitely upset with what he said. I mean, you play for the Lakers, bro. This franchise is a historical franchise, has 17 championships. LeBron and AD, they brought you here. And Rob Palenka because they want to win a championship. They ain't bring you here to say some stuff like that. And like I said, again, this might be true. Like if you don't win a championship, life does go on. But you just don't say that publicly. 
like I said, I don't think he should have said that. But it is what it is. Um, the Lakers got to figure something else because they're hot garbage right now. Um, then another thing that Russ said in another uh, in another video conference is they said, everybody wants me to do this, but then they don't want me to do this, Westbrook said on a video conference call with reporters. Honestly, I'm over this whole situation with what everyone else wants me to do and what they think I should be doing. Honestly, I think I've been fine, Westbrook said. The conversation has been heavily on how I'm playing and what I'm doing. I think people are expecting me to have beep 25, 15, and 15, which that is not normal. Everyone has to understand, like, that's not a normal thing that people do consistently. So when I heard Westbrook said that, I'm like, first, nobody's thinking that you have to have drop, you know, 25 points, 15 assists, 15 and rebounds. I don't think anybody thought that what they thought was you were going to not turn the ball over, be better with decision making and do what it takes to win a championship. And I don't feel like Russell Westbrook's done that. He's continued to take, you know, turn the ball over at a very high rate. I've seen him have seven turnovers, like multiple times this season, six turnovers, like high amount of turnovers, bad decision making at the end. And there's a difference between turning the ball over because I think they turn the ball over as a basketball as human. Sometimes you're going to turn the ball over, but there's some that's called careless turnover, which Russ does out watching a play they're playing. And Stanley Jansen has the rebound and Russ tries to steal it from him. They lose the ball. Russ is in Houston. The ball literally slips out of his hands or something. It goes out of bounds. He loses the ball. Those are what you call careless turnover. Then he's taking crazy shots that Shaq and the Fools probably recognize because those shots are terrible. Like he's just not playing the right ways. And Russell Westbrook's an incredible talent. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. But it does look like he cares about his stats more than wins. And if that's true, I mean, that's that's not that's not good. Um, then the, he was brought in to compete for a championship. And, you know, his numbers might still look good, but it's not impacting winning one one bit. So when I did hear his comments, I mean, it just didn't make sense. Like I said, nobody's thinking he's going to go 25, 15 and 15. What, what they wanted was from him is to take the load off LeBron a little bit. That's what she was brought in to not turn the ball over, you know, sacrifice. And he's not been doing those things. So obviously I think with Russell Westbrook, these both quotes, I disagree with it respectfully. He's still an exceptional talent, but he's got to figure something out because it's obviously he's getting a lot of heat for how he's doing with the Lakers so far. He's probably using the trade rumors, but most likely he's not going to get traded because he has a hefty contract, but we'll see what happens. Topic number five. Oh, NBA provided us with five Christmas games on December 25th, 2021. And basically, I'm going to talk about each game and give my opinion on it. So let's start with the first game. That was the Knicks versus the Atlanta Hawks. So the Knicks hosted a depleted Hawks team who were missing their main star in Trey Young and many other players as well due to COVID protocols. The Knicks won in convincing fashion, 101 to 87, Kemba had a triple-double, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Randall had 25 points, 12 rebounds, and he had a double-double. My reactions to this, um, and with Kemba playing so well since he returned to the rotation, does Tibbs regret benching Kemba? Even when the Knicks players return, should Kemba still start? So, you know, my reactions to this is that the Knicks finally got a much-needed win. You know, they were been on a big losing streak. They played on Christmas against the Hawks team that was depleted. They were missing Trey Young, which was so sad, you know. MSG fans and, and Garden wanted Trey Young because, you know, like the whole notion is Trey Young's a villain and they can boo Trey Young and, and stuff like that. It was really sad not to see Trey Young play. It was one of like, that's why this game was even more hyped because of what Trey Young did in the playoffs to the Knicks. But the Knicks did what they were supposed to do. I mean, the Hawks were de depleted. The Knicks were the more healthier team. They had 
more guys and and if they would have lost it would look really bad but they did what they did they got a win we got to see Kemba Walker who's finally back in rotation actually now because of the fact that Knicks were missing Derrick Rose is going to be out for some time potentially two months and then a lot of the basketball persons from Knicks were in COVID protocols as well like quickly who's back now and uh Mitch McBride and a lot a lot of players but I don't know if Tibbs regrets it because Tibbs is a defensive-minded coach and he's all about defense. What Kemba was doing in the beginning, he's an offensive player. So if Kemba's not giving you offense, he doesn't seem very valuable to be on the court. You know, he's an exceptional player. You know, when that Charlotte Kemba is a different breed. He is a like a like that was superstar Kemba. But definitely to take him out the rotation completely was a little harsh, I think, on Tibbs end. And one of my friends, uh, Ryan, he was telling me I was like, he was like, oh, that like they shouldn't have took him out, and he was right. I was saying that I'm not too mad at it, but I was wrong, and my friend Ryan was right. I mean. I think benching was a bad idea. I mean, look, after that, once he got back on the court, I mean, he played, he first played at Boston. He started, he dropped 29 points, five for 11 from the three. Against the Pistons, went he had 21 points. Against Washington, he dropped 44. Then against the Hawks, a triple-double. The Timberwolves, he had, you know, 10 points. And against the Pistons, one of his uh, weaker games, he had two points. But, you know, he's having a, you know, he's definitely having Kemba on the on the floor is a lot better. I think what Kemba does, he's he he spaces out the floor. He definitely helps out Julius Randle and like all the guys make the make their jobs a lot easier. So I do think putting him back in rotation was uh, a better idea. And I do think when everybody returns, Kemba will start because he's proven that he deserves to start even one Eastern Conference player of the week. So I do think he should start. And I'm not sure if Tibbs regret it, but if I was Tibbs, I definitely regret it. I think that was a bad decision on his end. I mean, if you want him. To bench him, no problem, but definitely he should still be in the rotation. Maybe Tibbs benching him for like so many games. Maybe once he came back, he was like motivated. He's like, nah, like you benched me. Like it, it took a hit on his ego, his pride. But Kemba's a professional. He didn't say anything and he was a professional about it. That's what Kemba is one of the best role models and basketball players because of like the way he handled that situation. You know, he's a star player. And once he got his moment back, he, he took advantage of it and he made Tibbs look like, hey, I mean, I'm Kemba Walker. Don't forget who I am. So the Knicks have also beat the Hawks. They beat Minnesota and they beat Detroit. They've won three games in a row. So, you know, that's they're back on that winning track. So that's good. I do think the Knicks will make the playoffs, but I do think it's going to be a tight squeeze. And most likely looking at the standings, um, I do think there's room to improve. They could get out of the play-in situation, but I think most likely the Knicks will make the playoffs, but they will go through in the play-in uh, to make it. The East is very competitive this year. I mean, you have legit 13 teams that could be in the playoffs, like get in that top 10, but it's really competitive. The Knicks are currently ninth right now, 17 and 18. Um, their their schedule is a little more easy. They had a tougher schedule early on. Their schedule is going to be more easier, so that's going to favor the Knicks. I'm excited. And hopefully, um, Danny, you're watching. Hopefully, you're excited about your Knicks too. I'm excited to see what they what they can do. So moving on to the second game, the Bucks versus the Celtics. The Bucks hosted the Celtics. Uh, Celtics' biggest lead was 19 points, but the Bucks rallied back to win 117 to 113 with Giannis leading the way with 36 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. He also missed the last five games due to health and safety protocols before the Christmas game. So I'm going to tell you my reaction to this, and are we not giving the Bucks the respect they deserve? So my reaction to this is just looking at Boston. I mean, Boston had this game. I mean, you looked at the box score. We have Jason Tatum giving you 25, Jalen Brown giving you 25, but... Jason Tatum was a negative seven. I look at that. I look at Jalen Brown was a negative 15 on the court. I mean, Marcus Smart was a negative 13. Robert Williams was the only plus. He had a plus three. And then Romeo 
Logford, I hope I said his name right, was a plus minus of zero. So when I'm looking at this, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are just a good basketball team, but the Celtics let this one slip away. I mean, they had this game. They should have won this basketball game having a big lead like that, and they let the Bucks come back. Shows that the Celtics, and I was definitely wrong about them. They're not a good basketball team. They're really struggling. I thought they'd be a lot better with the talent they have, and they've been struggling. It's not working. I think something needs to change with Boston, you know, who are currently sitting. Their record is their 10th and their 17 and 19. I mean, you don't make all these changes to be 10th. You know, they were literally 7th last year, so they're worse than they were before. This is not a good basketball team. They're struggling, and um, they got to change it up. But for Milwaukee's end, I think we've disrespected Milwaukee. I think we, you know, we don't talk about them enough, and they deserve to be talked about more. I mean, they are the defending champions, um, and a lot of people are not picking them to win it. I mean, because a lot of people do believe, you know, if everybody was healthy, they probably wouldn't be in the finals. And I have that same belief because if they play Brooklyn healthy, I think the Nets would have swept them. But you got to still acknowledge the fact that whatever was presented to them, they face adversity with Giannis situation being injured down 0-2 twice and they still won a championship. So I think they definitely deserve more respect because they're a legitimate contender in the East and they can easily win the East. There's a lot of good teams in the East, but I definitely look at four teams in the East that are Above everybody, I would say Chicago, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami. These are four good basketball teams, and uh, yeah, we're going to see what happens. But Milwaukee definitely deserves more respect. What can I say about Boston? Uh, they they blew this game. Uh, they should have won it. Um, and something needs to be done because they're not playing good basketball either. They're also hot garbage. No disrespect to the players, but something's got to change in Boston. So moving on. Oh, my God. The Warriors versus Phoenix, our third Christmas matchup. What a match. This was my favorite basketball match uh so the phoenix suns hosted the warriors as the best two teams in the western conference they clashed they split their previous two matchups one to one the warriors won 116 to 107 despite missing andrew wiggins damian lee jordan Poole, andrew Godala, moses moody clay and wiseman curry led the way with 33 points and down the stretch in the fourth quarter Otto porter came in the clutch and scored 13 of his 19 points in the fourth quarter my reactions to this is that i'm shocked i'm surprised that the warriors were able to beat the Phoenix, even though the Warriors were shorthanded and the Phoenix Suns were at full strength. They had their main rotational pieces and their main starters. I mean, if you look at the Warriors, they're missing Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson hasn't played in a while. He's going to play hopefully in mid-January. He's going to be a big part of their piece. He's going to start. Andrew Wiggins has been their second best player this season. He starts. He is a legit piece for them. Damian Lee, a very important rotation PT. He plays minutes. Jordan Poole has been their third best player when it comes to scoring this season. He's very important. Andre Iguodala, rotation piece. Moses Moody, a young star who's going to play. And Wiseman, their center who hasn't even played. They've been playing with Looney. And this is crazy that they're missing seven main pieces. They're all probably going to play. And they were able to win a basketball game against the Suns who had everybody. So it's very shocking to see that the Suns let this one slip away this shows to me is that the Warriors have a very deep roster. I think they have the deepest uh, roster in all of the NBA. If you look at the stats, you have Steph Curry. He went for 33. Otto Porter came through with 19 points. I think now people will remember who Otto Porter is. I mean, this man can play. I mean, I was shocked to see the performance he put in the fourth quarter to help Golden State take the game and and win the basketball game. He was special. Gary Payne gave them 14. Draymond doing what Draymond does, 8-8 and 10. Looney was great. Kaminga gave them 12 points. Bielitsa gave them 10. Everybody pitched in and helped them win a basketball game. So you got to give credit where credit is due. The Warriors are a very deep basketball team. They're very scary because when they are full strength, I mean, they look like a team that's going to win a championship for sure. 
me and Joshua, when he comes back, we'll discuss like who we actually think is going to win the championship. But Golden State's up there. I mean, they're they're probably one of the favorites. To, I think they're the best team in the West. There's no question about it. I'd be surprised if they don't come out the West. As long as they're healthy, I don't think anybody can stop them. This is a really good basketball team. The Suns should be really disappointing themselves. How like to lose to the Warriors? You were you were at home. The Warriors missing seven major players. You have your team. It should have been an easy win. Not easy win, but they definitely should have won this basketball game. But what it, again, shows about the Warriors, they have a very deep roster. And don't underestimate because all the guys on the Warriors can play basketball. I mean, this team is scary. It was a very good matchup, but got to give credit to the Warriors. I mean, this was a big-time win for them to beat the Suns with missing so many players. Uh, kudos to the Warriors. This is a good basketball team. And also, Steph Curry got his 33 points. And he I know he's Christmas Day. He's had struggles on Christmas Day, and he finally broke that. So it's good to see him. You know, play good basketball. He's been the first player to get to 3,000 three-pointers. So, you know, congrats to him as well. You know, he's going to keep making history. And also on a side note, LeBron James, you know, he he's at 36,000 career points now. So congrats to him as well. Just two elite players making history. Moving on. Now with the fourth matchup on Christmas Day, Nets versus Lakers. The Lakers hosted the shorthanded Nets team, missing their main star in Kevin Durant and many more of their players as well. The Nets won 122 to 115. James Harden led the way with 36 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and Patty Mills scored 34 points and made eight threes. LeBron played great, scored 39 points, but it was not enough. The Lakers were trailing by as much as 23 points, but rallied back to tie the game. My thoughts about this game was definitely the Lakers should have won this basketball game. I mean, the Nets were missing so many major pieces. I mean, they're missing LaMarcus Aldridge, who's a big, he's a starter for them. He averages double digits. I mean, Kevin Durant is their best player. Kyrie Irving, who's now back. Is going to be a major player for them. Joe Harris, who's out due to left ankle surgery. He's going to be a big time player for Cam Thomas does play minutes. He's an important player for them. Like they have missing major guys and, and the Lakers are missing too. I understand they were missing like Trevor Reza, Kent Bazemore, you know, Davis is injured and they were missing Austin Reeves and Kendrick Nunn's. But you have LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. The the Nets, literally, that was their first game in literally, what, like a, maybe a, a week or two because their games were being postponed due to the COVID protocols and the outbreak. Brooklyn really suffered a lot from the COVID product. The whole league has been suffering. Uh, so hopefully that gets under control. But the Lakers shouldn't have lost this basketball game. For them to be down 23 is inexcusable. This is a team that I thought was going to win a championship. And people are looking at them. Will they make the playoffs? Will they be in the playing situation? Because they're not playing good basketball. And... For the Nets, this is a big-time win. We finally got to see James Harden, who's been inconsistent this season, not really look like the old James Harden, come out and uh, put on a show. I mean, James Harden gave them 36-10-10. and 10. That's the old James Harden we know, and then he went to the Clippers. He did the same thing. Scored a little more, but he gave them an elite performance, and then he did it again with Philly. But they did lose the basketball game, but James Harden, hopefully this is signs for him to come, you know, him being uh, consistent and looking like, because if this James Harden comes this superstar James Harden with Kevin Durant, I mean, and Kyrie Irving as a part-time player, this Nets team is legit scary. I mean, Patty Moose gave them 34. I mean, also the Nets have a very deep roster as well. Maybe James Harden motivated now that knowing that Kyrie's coming back, even though he's coming as a part-time player, whatever level that he's coming back on, maybe motivating James Harden because James Harden came to Brooklyn not to play with just Kevin Durant. He came to play with a big three. And to see James Harden have these kind of performances really big time for them, I think hard to believe that he's back yet because he's been inconsistent, but I got to see more games. I mean, James and KD and with Kyrie as a part-time, they're legit a scary team. Um, So hopefully James can keep this up. Yeah, this is a big time win for the Nets. And we're going to see how the Nets continue. They're currently, you know, tied for first in the East. So yeah, the 23 and 10. Well, technically they're actually second. You know, uh, Chicago has took in the first seat, but this Nets team is a scary basketball team. Lakers, on the other hand, you know, 
who would I blame for the Lakers slow start? I mean, you can't just blame, you know, one person. You could say there's a lot of things to blame the Lakers currently who are sitting seventh, currently at 17 and 19. First, I would, you know, have to throw a lot of blame on health because the Lakers have not been healthy. We haven't seen them at full strength and the whole league is suffering from this. So there's no excuses. But on the other hand, you know, it's the roster construct. And the LeBron James and Anthony Davis wanted Russell Westbrook. I mean, if, if Russell Westbrook's not coming there, if LeBron doesn't want him, there was a skepticism with the fit, their roster, who is age-wise, they're older. People criticize that roster. LeBron said, like, you know, watch us and, and keep criticizing us. But now it's looking, the people were right. I mean, the Lakers are a very old team. They can't guard. Like, they're struggling to play defense, stay in front of their man. Russell Westbrook is not a good defender. LeBron James in the 19th season, he scored 39. Any day of the week, LeBron scores 39. You're going to assume he's going to win the basketball game. I mean, I'm surprised they lost and LeBron played so good. But then I look at why they're losing basketball. And I'm pointing the finger at Russ. I'm looking at Russ down the stretch. You know, LeBron got 39. Russ goes for a dunk. He was four for 20, by the way. He got his triple-double. Hey, triple-double. But he was four for 20 from the field. He was atrocious from the basketball court. And literally, you know, the game is going. Lakers game momentum is on their way. He goes for a dunk. He misses a dunk. Instead of passing the ball wide open, LeBron in the corner, he doesn't pass him the ball. And he goes for a dunk. And then there you go. Another situation. The game is, I think, tied at this moment. Uh, Russell Westbrook not even paying attention, knowing Patty Mills hit like seven threes in the game, leaves him wide open. Patty hits a three. Those are just small things that Russ keeps on doing. It's paying attention to detail, being smart, you know, in late game situations and not turning the ball over at a high rate. You can't just blame just Russ because he's just one player. But I think Russ is a big part of them being bad as well. I think LeBron James, he built this roster. This is his decision. Anthony Davis, we haven't seen the old Anthony Davis, like the Anthony Davis I know gives you 30 and 10. And he could even score like 40, like 42 and 20 rebounds. Like, but he's not doing that anymore. The last two seasons after him coming back, he's been injury prone. He's playing all-star level, not superstar level. And it's concerning. You know, without LeBron James, this Lakers team cannot even win a BOKC. Like LeBron James in the 19th season has been phenomenal. Since he's come back, he's been dropping 30, 30, 30. Like he's going crazy. And they're like, what, one in five in those last six games? And he's like playing out of his mind. And they're losing. This Lakers team is not good. They're a bad defensive team. They got to change something. Like I said, it's a hard question, but if I would have to blame someone, I'm pointing the finger at Russ and AD. I mean, right now AD's out, so I'm looking at Russ. He's an exceptional player, but he's got a sack for it. It doesn't seem like he just looks like he's a stat patter. It's tough to see the Lakers struggle like this. They should be a lot better. I mean, LeBron James shouldn't have to do this much work and and still for them to lose. Uh, it's, it's, it's very sad, but let's see what the Lakers can do. There was a scout that blamed LeBron James for the Lakers' poor roster construction. Uh, according to an article by Bleacher Reports, Greg Swartz, hope I said his name right, LeBron's a bad GM. Russ is not a good fit there, the scout said. He doesn't need an older roster around him. They still need LeBron to do everything, not a good recipe for this stage of his career. So do you agree? Is LeBron a bad GM? I'm going to say no, because most of his times in his career, he's built a great roster. You saw what he did in Cleveland. I mean, Kevin Love was still a questionable fit, but they won the championship. They went to four straight finals. Miami, they sacrificed and made it work. Him and Wade were great for it. Even in the Lakers, LeBron's second season, 80s first season with the Lakers, they built a great roster, you know, for having a big two and then having Danny Green and, and Avery Bradley and, you know, Rondo and Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee. They built a really good roster of talent. This season, particularly, LeBron did a bad job. He built this roster himself. He wanted this roster. He wanted Russ. And we see the fit Russ has been. He's been terrible for them. He's been a bad fit. Anthony Davis right now is just not playing to his level. Carmelo's been great offensively, defensively. Everybody's blowing by him. Defensively, this is a bad basketball team because they're old. Getting guys like DeAndre Jordan. Trevor Reza is a good defender, but he's hurt. He's been injured majority this season. 
LeBron James did build the ro- bad roster, but he's not a bad GM for sure. He's been building great rosters. You see, I mean, any star player, your ownership is not really going to be like, we're going to sign this guy if you're not okay, especially if you're LeBron James. So he built all these rosters. Yes. In uh, one season, this season, he did a bad job. I mean, this was not a good roster construction. I mean, everybody would agree he shouldn't have gone with Russ, but he did. And he's going to have to ride it out. But this season, he definitely did a bad job with the roster construction. They're too old, can't play defense, and LeBron James has to carry in his 19th season. And this is not good because he has so much wear and tear in his body. He should be able to rest. When you get Russ in 80, is the idea is that they'll get the job done. Oh, you can carry us and win games like against OKC. They can't even beat a good team by like more than five points. They are struggling. This season, yeah, LeBron got it wrong, but he's a great GM. He knows what players he needs. But for LeBron to be successful, he always needs shooters around. That's always been his recipe. And this season with the roster he has, adding like Russ, you know, he's not a well-known shooter. Like it's rosters that were good. Kyrie, he can shoot the basketball. You look in Miami, he had Ray Allen, Shane Battier. He had shooters. Uh, his first year with the Lakers, Danny Green. That's the difference between the roster now and before. You know, he had a three-point specialist and doesn't have that right now, the season with the Lakers. So, you know, just to summarize everything, the Nets, you know, again, kudos to them for Christmas Day. That was a big win for them, uh, for them to be depleted and come out there with a big And for the Lakers, disappointing, continue to disappoint us. And to be honest, I don't, I'm looking at this Lakers team. They're going to have to make some major changes because of the roster they have currently, they're going to be in the play-in and lose in the first round because they don't look like a championship team, not even close. So the last game, which was Dallas versus Utah, the Utah Jazz hosted the Dallas Mavericks, where Dallas were missing 10 players, either due to injury or COVID-19 protocols. Their main star, Luka, did not play. Dallas still put up a great fight, but fell short to Utah, 120 to 116. Chris Stapps led the Mavs with 27 points, while Mitchell led Utah with 33 points. Little shock that the game was as close as it is. The Mavericks were missing literally everybody on their roster. They were missing so many players. So I was a little surprised that the Mavs were able to keep it really close. They even had a lead in the, in the first quarter, 22 to 9. But things that I look at the Mavs as a positive, I mean, you were missing Luka. You were missing your majority of roster. A lot of this roster was like coming in a 10-day hardship deal. Brandon Knight, you know, a lot of these players are like who don't really play, got chances to play. Porzingis been playing great. I think one thing about Porzingis, he's also injury prone. But throughout the last, you know, stretches of games, he's been playing really good basketball. And this is a good sign for Dallas. And there was concerning last season with the Clippers when he, you know, ended up not playing well at all. And thanks, my Clippers survived and beat the Luka Doncic Mavericks. My goodness. You know, in this Christmas, they drop in 27-9 rebounds, three assists, you know, eight for 18 from the field. He was 0 for 5 from the three. 11 for 13 from the free throw line. That's a that's a positive because Chris Abrazingas is a tall guy. He's, you know, seven feet. He's more than seven feet tall. You know, he takes it to the paint. You know, he's going to get fouled. He's a great basketball player. He was a plus three as well. So I look at that. Jalen Brunson has been really good. I think he's a he's a big time player. You know, he's a good piece for them. He had 27 points. I think we also uh, you get to notice like Jalen Brunson can really play basketball. He's a really good player. And this is Dallas definitely should secure him for the long term. It's an impressive game for Dallas. They're missing you know, majority of their, their players and they were able to still keep it close. And the positive I can see is Porzingis. He's playing really good basketball. Luca comes back. And I think these two can, uh, if Porzingis can stay healthy and play like this, because he has potential to play like a superstar with Luca being a superstar, Dallas could be a really scary team in the West, but we got to see consistency from the Porzingis and hopefully he doesn't get hurt as well. On the Utah side of it, I mean, Utah has been playing great basketball. I mean, currently they stand third in the Western Conference at a 25 and 9. Uh, I'm a little surprised they kept it a little close, but at the end of the day, a win is a win. Uh, they're playing really good basketball. Everybody, you know, the one thing I see about Utah is it's all spread out. You know, Mitchell did have 33. Bogdanovich had 25 points. You know, 
Conley had 22. Rudy Gobert had 10. He's playing a really good this season. I know last season it was a lot of criticism, but he's been great for them this season. Definitely should be in the all-star team. Uh, Royce O'Neal, you know, giving something. You know, Jordan Clarkson, one of the six mans, you know, who won it. He's been really good at the six-man role. Whiteside, Gay, Ingles, just everybody playing good basketball. So Utah's team is overall good, but their struggle continues to stay in the playoffs. I mean, when it comes to the playoffs, you know, when they're first in the bubble, they lost to Denver being up 3-1. They lost to the Clippers, even though they lost Kawhi in game five, and they were series was tied 2-2. So the struggle is playoffs for Utah. The Utah Jazz remind me of the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are the same thing when they had, you know, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals against Kawhi Leonard's Toronto Raptors when he was on Toronto at that time. And uh, they lost, and then the next year losing to Miami in the bubble in the second round. And then finally breaking that that notion of winning the championship. Same thing with Utah. They're in that same boat where they're a good team. They kind of remind me like Milwaukee. You know, they got to break this playoff struggle. When they get to the playoffs, if they were able to win a championship, then people are going to take them seriously. But right now, nobody's taking them seriously. They're a great regular season team. They're a great basketball team. I think they're legit. But playoffs, um, right now, I'm not a big believer in Utah. I don't think they're going to win a championship. But if they want to prove people wrong, I think they got to make noise in the playoffs. We know you're a great regular season team. You were the first seat last year. You got bounced in the, in the second round. The year before that, I mean, I think there were six, but we know you're a good regular season team. You can win regular season games. You can be good teams in regular season. It's about playoffs because in the playoffs, I see dudes like Mitchell come through, but everybody else struggle because in the playoffs, I trust Mitchell, but I don't trust nobody else on that team. It's about consistency. We know who the star is. They got one star and a lot of great players. I mean, Gobert's an all-star. Conley was an all-star last year. So it's a good team. They have a lot of good collection of talent, a great coach. They play great defense. So like I said, the next steps for the Utah Jazz is performing well in the playoffs. So my overall reactions to the Christmas games was they were all great games. I want to appreciate the NBA to still putting up Christmas games up. It was a really uh, good games. But the one thing I was sad about, a lot of star power was missing. Trey Young wasn't there against the Knicks. Kevin Durant wasn't there against the Lakers. We want to see Katie and LeBron. Haven't seen that for about three years now. Uh, missing that matchup. Luka wasn't there. Golden State was missing a lot of players. We did have stars still playing, but... It's fun to see all the stars play on Christmas. You know, we get a lot of dream matchups, especially like Katie, Braun, you know, Luca, Mitchell, and Trey, and uh, MSG we didn't get all of that. So definitely that was the only thing sad. And the COVID protocols are definitely getting crazy out in the NBA. It's getting like a crazy surge, but uh, it was definitely sad. I mean, not to see all the star power there, but uh, still appreciate the NBA putting up a great Christmas game. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to watch that. All right, so the last topic of the night, uh, Woj tweeted actually on uh, December 31st, 2021, ESPN sources that the Cleveland Cavaliers have agreed to trade Denzel Valentine to the Lakers to acquire Raja Rondo. The Lakers are expecting to waive Valentine and create an open roster spot. My reaction to this, I mean, I think for the Lakers, definitely to open up a roster spot, good idea. But the trade Rondo, I mean, I could understand that Rondo has not, you know, got the minutes that he used to get. You know, he's not playing to the level that he used to play at. But I think this is a good move for the Cavs. The Cavs first, they did lose Rubio to an ACL injury. So unfortunately, he's been playing really good basketball. So we're hoping for a speedy recovery for Ricky Rubio. Uh, Colin Sexton is still out. The Cavs definitely do need a point guard and bringing in Rondo is great. And I heard, you know, I think for Rondo, this is a good opportunity for him to, you know, he's needed. This is a team that's asking, no, we need your services. We're not asking to be on the bench and like that. We need your services. And I think for Rondo, this is a great opportunity to play with a team of the Cavs. He's not going on a, on a bad basket. The Cavs are better than the Lakers now. Um, he's going to play for a good team. That's, uh, you know, their notion right now is to make the playoffs. I, that's why I think you make that kind of move to get Rajon Rondo, a guy who can slow the pace down. 
he's a floor general. He he can pass the basketball. He makes smart plays. When when I think about high IQ players, I think about LeBron James, Chris Paul, and I put Raja Rondo on that list. I mean, he's an exceptional basketball player. So I think for the Cavs and Rondo, this is a great opportunity for Rondo to get a chance to play basketball. I think he can still play at a high level. And I think he gets that chance to prove that with the Cavs. And for the Lakers end, I mean, if you were going to wave a player, you should have waved DeAndre Jordan. I think DeAndre Jordan has not been going for the Lakers. And he's been starting so many games. And that was a little questionable on Frank Vogel's end. Uh, but right now he's in COVID protocols, hoping for him to have a speedy recovery. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the Lakers, I mean, I guess it's fine. I mean, the Lakers definitely train changes. I mean, Rondo has not been playing, so you could understand that. And now open up a roster stop, maybe signing Stanley Johnson to who's on a 10-day contract to an actual deal because he's playing great for them and they need defense and that's what Stanley Johnson brings. I think this benefits the Cavs more than the Lakers. I think Lakers losing a guy like Rajon Ron, a high IQ player, a great leader, a good person in the locker room is tough. If they were going to trade somebody or, or try to waive somebody, try DeAndre Jordan. But I mean, DeAndre Jordan wouldn't get traded because uh, no offense, he's a good player, but he's not the player he once used to be. So definitely, I think they should have waived DeAndre Jordan and, and then signed Stanley Johnson. But it's OK because they do have a lot of points. They have Russ, so he's not going anywhere. Um, They have Kendrick Nunn, who's going to come back and LeBron, who can play the point. So I guess for the Lakers, there's not really anything that's like if you trade him or not, it was going to change the team really that much. They're still the same team. They're still hot garbage. That's what they're playing like right now. So it's not going to really change anything. But once again, I think for the Cavs, great pickup for Rondo. Get an opportunity to play because I still think he has a lot of game left for the Lakers. I mean, we'll see what they do with that open roster spot. But Rondo wasn't playing that much. So it's good for the Lakers. But Lakers got to definitely still make a lot of changes to their roster. And that concludes episode 11 of the Straight Sports Podcast. You know, once again, it was a little weird today, obviously doing it solo. Uh, it was just by myself. But I've, like I said, Josh would definitely try to be here today. He just couldn't be here, not feeling 100%. But he'll be back soon. Appreciate, you know, always the support. You know, we're on the 11th episode. You know, we're doing what we love. You can follow us on Straight Sports Podcast on Instagram. That's where we post. We update you on the episodes, when they'll be up, and just keep posting content on the social media page. And we have a bio there where you can check out where to view the episodes. You can view it on YouTube, Spotify, or any platform that you feel comfortable with. And also another thing, I just want to wish everybody, you know, a happy new year um, with 2022. A new year coming for all of us. You know, 2021 uh, provided tremendous challenges and tough year with COVID and now with the new Omicron variant. You know, it's definitely still, you know, scary times out here. Um, but once again, just hope everybody has a happy new year. Uh, looking forward to 2022 and, uh, you know, stay safe out there and uh, yeah, have a good one. Happy new year, everybody. Thanks.